Hi, this is Listing Locally. It's August 18th, about two o'clock. We're here live. It's Chris McGrath uh, again with listinglocally.com. Um, today we have a special guest and I'm super excited. It's my first interview or maybe he's going to interview me. We're not sure yet, but uh, Russell Hughes is here and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi there. My name is Russell Hughes and I'm an estate appraiser and uh, antique broker. Um, I've lived in Colorado uh, numerous times throughout the last uh, 35 to 40 years and I've lived in different uh, cities, major metropolitan cities all over the country and uh, have seen loads of antiques and collectibles and assisted clients with uh, evaluations and uh, brokering of uh, those items and, um, and enjoyed it, uh, the diversity of what uh, cultures and uh, assets are in this in the united states oh you know russell the industry right now in real estate um there's just so many estates and um in the last couple of years because of the the pandemic there weren't as many estate sales and so we had um, investors buying these properties and in some cases just throwing stuff in the dumpster um we have some quite a few estates that are just still locked up and so I know you and I uh, recently saw each other at an estate sale. And I told you before we started the recording, I was going to kid you a little bit. I was looking at an item, which I ended up buying, and it looked like some Ray-Ban shooters uh, sunglasses. And so I asked uh, Russell if he had a loop and the loop you used to kind of magnify a marking. And he said, no, 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 I can I can see it uh, with no problem. And, and Russell, you made me laugh. You took off your glasses and you saw that marking that I had to get. I, and I went home and double checked it with a loop and it was right on. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. I, I really Thanks. valued that. That was that was so much fun to see that. It's uh, just in the diversity of some of my specialties are um, silver, uh, sterling silver, jewelry, uh, coins, stamps, currency. Many times the marks on those items are one to two millimeters, sometimes less in size. So I've actually trained my eyes as you would the aperture on a camera to actually flex back and forth and actually zone in on a focusing mode with my own eyes. And it's, I've been blessed and lucky enough to actually that is that occurs and I can pick up marks less than a millimeter in height. Yeah, and that was, that was a really small marking on those glasses. Um, I brought up the estates, uh, Russell, because um, I wanted you to just let people know what's, you know, what value will you bring to them and what's in it for you, right? I want to know how you make, uh, what the opportunity is for you to meet somebody who might have an estate or might have some rare antiques that they don't know what to do with. And how would you bring some value to someone like that? Um, what I would do, uh, let's address like from the first point of an estate, uh, someone has their house for sale. Um, the real estate market here in Colorado, as Chris will tell you, is extremely uh, positive and an upward uh, movement in value and um, the items you have in the house by allowing myself to take responsibility for emptying a house and you don't have the burden on your back along with my knowledge of antiques and collectibles and contemporary products if you have value there you're going to get a fair and ethical representation of its value to liquidate and take that burden off your back that's good are you now are you interested in like hosting an estate sale or are you more interested in helping them just kind of see what has the value so they can hold those things aside for themselves what i generally do is go in and actually offer them numerous options as to here's what i can do if i run it to liquidation if you just want me to pick out the super rare stuff if there is any present and you take those with you and then you just liquidate to a buyout of contents or donate the contents 
I would give different options as to, depending on value, the most feasible, but I always leave it up to the homeowner or a, a beneficiary of, a, of the estate as to how they want to proceed with uh, two or three options. Okay. And let them, give them that they feel that they have a, a hand in the liquidation. Sure. Do you ever, do you ever buy anything that from someone? I have in the past minimally, but what I do is I get at least five offers from ethical, integrity-based, knowledgeable buyers in that field. Mm -hmm. And if I can't top that top bid of those five by at least 10%, then it goes to the top bidder. And I'm always putting the ethics and the integrity of the owner of the item paramount first okay. and never my own ownership. Oh, never sure. at all. Yeah. So now that we talk a little bit about ownership, um, you know, one of the things I enjoy about uh, estate sales uh, certainly is meeting the, the whomever's there. And in many cases, I'll meet, like you mentioned, a beneficiary or the owner of the property. And we have typically a couple minutes to talk about real estate. And I always give them my card mm -hmm. and, you know, tell them, you know, let's have coffee or talk a little bit more about uh, the, the house um uh, at a later date so they can focus on these on the state sale but i'm always out also looking for fun stuff for me and, and the reason i bring this up is i wanted to ask you uh what your white whale is so so a white whale for me is something that i'm always looking for and when i see it i just get super excited so i'll tell you mine first so my white whale is um a stetson open road hat and I, <laughs> it probably sounds funny um it's not like a baseball hat it's just it's just like this beautiful chalk white color with some silver in it and um i've seen them i've actually bought one and sold it but i haven't found one in my size i, I, I did you. see one here locally in lewisville i think it was like seven and three eighths and i think i wear between seven and a quarter and maybe a little less than seven and a half but that's what i'm always looking for i have quite a few others but yeah that's definitely what my white well what is what is one thing that you're always looking for for yourself one thing i'm looking for which again i have I've seen them a couple at antique shows, like you mentioned about the, the Stetson hat. Um, there's, in the early 1900s, there was taverns all over Denver. And I was gonna go to a coin aspect, but I think this is gonna be, all of a sudden I just landed inside this, like, wait a minute, if I saw that, I would go, <laughs> I couldn't, I'd be crawling over people to actually get it to handle. Um, early 1900 taverns, they had what are called seltzer bottles which were siphons that were uh, filled upside down to create the bubbling and the pressurization of the carbonation put along a back bar uh, turn of the century, um, 120 years ago. And they would mix the drinks with this spritzer and it was a siphon, it was a seltzer bottle under pressure. Numerous companies made them in Denver on East Colfax and West Colfax, but the standard bottling company of Colorado made some in blue, pink, deep cobalt, actual glassware that they ordered from Central Europe. Wow. Brought them to Colorado, stenciled the name of the tavern on the actual bottle. And I've seen 20 in my lifetime, which is uh, collecting them for about 40 years. If I found one of those at a state, it would be like, you've got to be kidding. Your great, great grandfather must have worked at that tavern oh, wow. and bartended. So <laughs> that would be mixing Colorado history with the uniqueness of that eye appeal with that killer piece. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, you talk about glass and, and I had mentioned recently that I bought some antiques from uh, from an auction in the, in Nebraska, so in middle America. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I do have them at the house. They're what were the, they were those insulators. Yes. And so when we talked yeah. about it briefly, uh, when you and I saw one another out here in town, uh, you were giving me some wonderful advice on, you know, what to look for for a more rare piece. So um, talk to us quickly just about just like glass. I know you're a big okay. glass guy. Like, sure. <laughs> um, glass is probably, I picked in when I was a teenager, uh, long before I drove a car, make when I was 12, 13 years old. Glass is one of the most difficult studies because rarely is it marked and you have to know the color, the shading, the manufacturing process, and just recognition is almost just at random. Um, if I can, I can address the issue with the insulators since they're glass and you mentioned central Nebraska. The, the Union Pacific Railroad had a telegraph line in that went to Promontory Point in Utah when both East and West Coast were put together at that point. That was early telegraph. That glass, though, long before the threads on some insulators were actually invented, which was the 1865 uh, patent for uh, uh, insulators and glassware, which made the threads. They were threadless insulators put on the ends of post with a sulfur coated rag and the sun actually heated up the inside and act like glue. Once in a while, I've heard stories that mainly in Southern Wyoming, Nebraska Central and Western, along the I-80 corridor, Highway 30, that's where the line ran. There are threadless insulators. They look like a cup, but upside down. And some of those are called uh, wood-covered wades. They were, there's different uh, nomenclature that they used. And some of those threadless insulators are one in $2,000 per hmm. piece. How fun. A friend of mine was traveling in Nebraska and went to a junk sale right off the interstate. They actually had signs on the interstate. Found a set of two glasses that the family had used for drinking glasses. They were threadless insulators. <laughs> He got them for a dollar a piece. Oh Back then, they were about two to three thousand a piece. Wow! How fun. So what a killer find! <laughs> you you need to call Russell uh, uh, if you have something for him to look at. He's he's just a bank of knowledge, and it's been so fun getting to, to know him over the last few months. Um, and every time we're out, we're always talking about something like this. And we just recently talked about I sold a Pepsi bottle for I think five dollars, and I sold a Coke bottle for one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, exactly. And so it's just funny how how something could be worth five and something similar could be worth 150 and so definitely you know if you have uh some antiques or some uh some things that you want russell to talk to you about or look at please you know please reach out to him um russell i want to just talk to you quickly about probably one of the biggest items i found and it's a silly one um but uh, it was one of my actually one of my white whales but i, I didn't keep it i, I got mm -hmm. I, I i ended up selling it uh, and I don't regret that because I, I did make some good money. But one of the biggest things that I've discovered or found in a thrift store um, or an estate sale and then and then turned around and sold it was uh, the National Lampoon's Cousin Eddie RV uh, ornament, Christmas ornament. Mm -hmm. And there's one that was, I think, recreated that's from Hallmark and that one didn't, that one's not as valuable. So you got to make sure you got the right one and it had the box. And I think wow. it sold for just under $500. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what's one of the biggest things that you've seen, whether it be from a customer or maybe something that you bought, okay. um, what's one of the biggest, coolest things that you've seen out there? Probably recollecting, um, I did an estate consultation. Um, the family wanted to run the sale in Castle Rock uh, 15, 20 years ago. And um, they had a coin collection just in a shoebox. 
And they said, well, we've already taken it to a couple coin dealers and they offered us, you know, $800,000 or something like that. Gold was pretty low back then after 9-11 uh, in 2001. And again, being gold two, three, 400 an ounce, the coins, US coins that were five and $10 gold pieces and so forth were worth quite a bit less money. Anyway, I go through it and I said, how much did they offer you? And they said, well, they offered us this amount and in a little sleeve was, well, they just put that one in there. No one had seen that one yet. It was a Carson City mint marked $20 gold piece, Liberty Head from the 1880s. I'm pretty sure it was 83 or 84. And at that time they thought, well, we're going to get like $300 for it. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to look for mint marks on gold coins. They're slightly different than U.S. silver coins. Okay. And that thing ended up selling for, I think, $18,500. And I took it to five or 10 dealers and they kept bumping their price higher and higher, mainly because they wanted it for their collection. They didn't want it for resale. So it literally went through the roof and the family was going, that's literally going to pay all our bills for the next <laughs> year on who knows what their bills were, but sure. they were almost dumbfounded as to how is that possible that and I said, well, you called an individual that had the context, the wherewithal, mm -hmm. and the knowledge of to Macy represent you in an ethical manner. But yeah. they were, I loved finding it's only the, I've only had three of those in my entire career. Extremely rare, but it, it can happen. Oh, how fun. I've been to Carson City uh, and, uh, and that's in Nevada and then Virginia City. Have you been to that little, is it Virginia City? That little town that right little, outside? Yeah, like a- It's like a little like cowboy a, town. Yeah, like a, yeah, kind of replicated, uh -huh. so to speak. Yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, what a fun place. Oh yeah, Carson City has unbelievable history. Yeah. Um, back in the gold, the post gold rush days, uh, that came, a lot of gold came from California. Uh -huh. um, I think 1849 was the gold rush, I think. Yeah. Just prior to the Civil War, about 10 years. But yeah, that area is filled with mining history that is, oh, decades of mining history is so cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, that was a little bit about what we were going to talk about today. I, I, I've um, recently had a couple transactions that were from estates and one, one unfortunately didn't have a will or any beneficiaries. And so I just want to make a quick comment on, you know, all of us, it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation and, and that's why sometimes it's not done. I mean, husbands and wives or whatever the relationships are that are out there. Uh, sometimes it's just uncomfortable to talk about insurance or right. wills or beneficiaries. So I just wanted to encourage everybody. This isn't a pitch for me or anyone else. It's just, you know, if you haven't done it, please put a will together. Um, you can use an attorney or you can probably get it off the internet, but uh, if you get it off the internet, make sure you have someone uh, be a witness or have someone notarize it. But uh, again, I'm not an attorney. I do have some great attorneys, so please call me if you need to reach someone that's affordable here in East Boulder County. Um, but yeah, please put a will in place. Also, if you have 401ks or any other things like that, put a beneficiary in place because uh, one, of, one of which was super challenging. Oh my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> I think we're still recording. My computer turned off here. Let's see what's going on. Okay, we're still recording. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it was really challenging and uh, cost a lot of money because they didn't have mm -hmm. beneficiaries in place and they didn't have a will. And unfortunately, it was a young person. It was someone in their 40s, so they weren't expecting of course, no, exactly. <laughs> to pass away, but they did. Right. Um, so yes, please, please reach out to me uh, on anything like that. Um, uh, Russell, do you want to provide your phone number or do you want me to put it in the, the notes for the for the for recording? How's the best way to reach oh, you? We can do it both ways. Yeah. So, Russell, please provide your information for um, 
all the great things that you do. Okay, uh, you can reach me uh, again, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. And you can reach me at 303-909-0282. And that's a cell phone. So feel free to call uh, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And to reach me, you can find me on uh, Econ Develop on Facebook or www.listinglocally.com. Russell, any final parting words, anything fun that you want to bring up? Or uh, All I'll share is I think that if someone has had something in the family or you see something or something, your intuition, your gut instinct, if you want to call it that, and you're getting conflicting information from the internet, walk away from that and feel free to reach out and I'll lead you down a path that's going to be more more re- uh, resulting in accuracy and uh, uh, just trust your instincts. If it's something you think, well, I need to call somebody on this. Just something as a voice is telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think you make a good point. And I told my son that recently. Um, I told him just to use his gut sometimes. And <laughs> yes, it's it so rarely smart. leads you wrong. Rarely. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank I'm going to go ahead much. and conclude this. Thank All you. right.